Smartcast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. The most important thing is what is the vision? So what is that overriding vision? What are you looking to achieve? And then working backwards from that as much as you possibly can. So I think that's very similar in terms of when I play tennis, what's the vision, what's the ranking, what are you trying to do? And then what can you do on a daily basis to help you achieve those goals? Welcome to Think Business with Tyler, sharing our methods and strategies for success. Join in on our conversations with business owners as we highlight their triumphs and detail how they overcame the challenges they faced while continuing to grow and scale their business. It's time to think life, think success, and think business with your host, Tyler Martin. Welcome to another episode. Today, we dive into the thrilling world of sports and business with James Kluski, former tennis pro turned entrepreneur. From smashing records on the tennis court to inspiring growth at Give Learn, James shares lessons from both arenas. Have you ever wondered how a tennis match can shape your business strategy? Let's chat with James and find out now. Hey, James, welcome to the Think Business with Tyler podcast show. How are you doing? Great. Great to be here, Tyler. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for being on the show. Hey, can you share a little bit about yourself? Tell us uh, what you do for a living and then maybe a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so I'm I'm the founder of, of GiveLearn. It's a learning platform for small and medium-sized companies. It's all around soft skill development. So we run classes in that in that area. A little bit of a kind of a, a zigzag journey in that my background is actually professional sports. So I went to LSU on a sports scholarship uh, played for the LSU Tigers um, and then finished college in uh, 2009 and then played professionally from 2010 to 2015. So got to a career high ranking of 145 in the world. Um, so played for a number of years, traveled the world and kind of lived the dream and then had to grow up. <laughs> <laughs> what was I like being like a professional tennis player? I mean, that must have been kind of awesome. Yeah, it was great. I mean, it was like there's lots of ups and downs in terms of sport, and and uh, but I think it teaches you a lot of lessons, and you know, even for business now and having my own business, that there's good days and bad days, there's good weeks and bad weeks, and I think one of the really interesting things, especially with tennis, is you get to travel so much. So you know, I was on the road for probably 35 weeks a year, but you're going from San Francisco one week to uh, Uzbekistan the next week to Kazakhstan to you know to Russia to everywhere in Europe Croatia Serbia and so on so you're being exposed to different people different cultures different nationalities and there's a lot of learning that 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 happens and then obviously dealing with the the good times and the bad in terms of performances and results and so on how intense is that when you're 
you know, playing professionally, you're playing for money. How intense is that in terms of you have to win to make money versus maybe you don't place high enough? I don't know exactly how the purses work, yeah. but I imagine there's got to be a lot of pressure around that. Yeah, I mean, when I said in the obvious, the more you win, the more you get paid, right? So, so there is a lot of pressure. Um, I think you can kind of sometimes get hot for a couple of weeks and it's going well. And then obviously sometimes you have some tough challenges as well. But I think in terms of, you know, small and medium-sized businesses, even my own business now, I think it's similar in terms of like you're dealing with pressure, you have to pay bills, you have to, you have to sell more, or all that sort of stuff. So, so I think there's, you know, one is you're sitting in front of a laptop or you're sitting in front of a computer and two, you're, you're on a tennis court. Um, I think, Sometimes in terms of in terms of sport and professional sport, I think the results don't lie, right? So like you can easily look up my name and my ranking and you know where I played and all that sort of stuff. Whereas so I think it's it's you're kind of examined every week in terms of your performance in, in professional sport and, and people know how you did or didn't do. Yeah. I love that phrase. The results don't lie. I think that's what I love about sports so much, mm-hmm. playing them in particular is you know, the results are the results. Like it's, you can't hide from them. Yeah. And even like, you know, I think live sport, I mean, why we love live sports so much, is like, you know, you tune into a movie, you kind of know the arc of the story and the characters and you kind of know what's going to happen. Whereas in sport, you know, it, you know, we have, uh, in, in every sport, I mean, there's upsets, things happen, you know, people mess up, people outperform all that sort of stuff. So, so yeah, I think the results don't lie. You 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 at the end of a season or the end of a year, you know exactly how you've done. Yeah. So I want to switch gears. I'm dying to hear this story. So I believe you made one phone call, and that phone call ended up in you coaching uh, Sir Richard Branson. Is it? Do I have yeah. my details correctly? And if so, can you share the story? Yeah. I mean, there's a few steps within there, but but um, but you pretty much have it right. I mean, I always say to people like. You know, when you think of where or what one phone call can lead to in terms of your, you know, your personal life, your professional life, your business, and how those people can open doors from you and so on, and and that kind of six degree of separation, right? You're 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 never more than a couple of people removed from someone. So, uh, I was lucky that towards the end of my career, I played an ATP event in Sweden. I was at the players' party. A couple of players were talking about this event called the Necker Cup, which is uh, Richard's tennis event on his island. Some of the most successful business people in the world come to his island and play with some of the best tennis players in the world um, in this you know, pro, pro-am tournament. And so I thought, oh my God, this is, this is incredible. How do I get involved in this? And then I had a, a loose connection to one of the guys who, was, who runs the event, sent him a, a bit of a cold message, called him. And said, like, look, I'd love to come out to this event. I'll stand on the tennis court all day. I'll hit with the business people. You'll never be short of pro. And then he came back and said, yeah, okay, come out. And so that was 2015. And then when I was there, I, I met Richard, as all Irish people, at the bar. Uh, I, was at, I was at the bar and, uh, you know, had a conversation with him. And then a couple of weeks later, I got a, I'm skipping a few steps, but a couple of weeks later, I got a, an email from uh, one of the guys who runs the island, and he said, "Well, I come back out and, and coach him tennis for a month." And um, so I've done that pretty much every year, uh, with the exception of obviously COVID. And I've been lucky enough to kind of, you know, spend a lot of time with him in terms of um, in the UK and coach him there a little bit, and then out to British Virgin Islands, the Necker, and to the Bahamas once with him. Uh, so really, yeah, I got to know him quite well, and and 
the kind of follow on to that is like the people that I've met through him as well, right? In his kind of circle, right? So, so really just fascinating people from the world of, you know, business, sport, entrepreneurship, philanthropy, and so on. Is he any good? Yeah, yeah, no, he's good. He's it, the thing that's really interesting about him. What I find is, in terms of you know, if we relate it to to, to business people, is yeah, you know, because we're always so busy, right? Like, I mean, I'm, you know, you have your next call or your next email or whatever it is, right? But the thing I picked up from him is that he's now seventy three, so every morning he's up at five. He does some, he does his emails, and then every morning it's non negotiable. He comes down and plays tennis or he kite surfs or does something kind of physically active. And then in the evening, he'll play tennis again, he'll kite surf. So, I mean, he is relentless when it comes to his physical fitness. But then also the thing that I learned from that was, you know, sometimes I wake up in the morning and think, oh, I don't have time to go for a walk. I don't have time to, you know, do something because I have to send Tyler an email on something or I have to do a proposal or whatever it is. Whereas with him, it's almost it's almost non-negotiable that like fitness is it's in the diary. It's in, like, it's not moved. So that was something that I picked it up from. So, I, you know, I go for a walk every morning. I think I probably took that from him a little bit, you know? Yeah. He's a fascinating guy. This is a long time ago, probably before your time, but he used to have a show where these, I think it was just one season. He did the show where these people would do these extreme sports or extreme things. And he actually did them. Um, with them, if, if I'm remembering correctly. And he's just a fascinating guy. He's, uh, I mean, obviously has built some really huge companies and has kind of done some kind of veered from the norm, but he's really a fascinating guy. I could only imagine how much fun that must be to just watch him play and see how strategically his mind works through a sport. I mean, it, it must be interesting. I imagine he's super competitive. Yeah, super competitive, but just a really fun person. I mean, I think the thing that I... Another thing I would have picked up is just how, you know, he's a very intelligent person, but he's not the most academically book smart person ever, you know? So like, I've definitely met, you know, tech people who you kind of walk away being like, I have no idea what that person was speaking about. Richard is very personable and very good fun and really interesting and, and really interested in the person as well. I think in terms of leadership, you know, he, he asks a lot of questions you know, he would ask me a lot about, I live in London now, but he would ask me a lot about Ireland and the economy and what people are doing. And he's just always kind of curious for learning. And so, yeah, been very, very privileged to kind of get, you know, firsthand, be able to sit there and have a cup of tea with him, have a chat. So this would be a good segue for my next topic. So sometimes we build businesses and it's all about, you know, just getting the biggest we can, make the most money we can. And then sometimes we try to align that with, building a business for the force of good, for, you know, helping people and the world. Where do you stand on that? Like, what's your thoughts around that? Yeah. So, so, I mean, my philosophy is I'm, I'm building a company, which is, which is for profit, but it is a business for, as a force for good. So I believe in like business being, you know, my business is not a not for profit. It's a business for profit, but I believe in like the better of humanity and doing doing well and treating people well and all those types of things. So in terms of my business, our our vision has always been to link learning to doing good in the world, that a user, a person will come to one of our classes, they invest in their own personal and professional development, they're doing good for themselves, but then they're doing good for somewhere else. And that's really what we're what we're building out. And I think if you look at the research in terms of you know, younger professionals and even forgetting about my my business and what we do, but 
you know, across industries. I think people want to work for companies that are that are having a positive impact in the world. And, and you know, they're again, they don't necessarily have to be not-for-profits, but they're businesses that are doing good. Yeah, that that's so true. And so learning, is that your, is there anything else that you do that you feel your company as a whole does that's around this whole force for good? Uh, learning, obviously, is a big part. Is there anything else that you consciously as a team consider? Yeah, so we have our learning classes, which is our classes. We have you know, one class every week, one class every week for the year, 45 minutes long, all in the area of soft skill development. That you know, is obviously as a force for good for the person trying to improve their personal profession development. And then our platform is gamified. So when you attend a live class, you earn points, points equal dollars. And then you can use those points to go and, and donate to social causes and, and charities. So we were partnered with a, a giving platform called B1G1. So they have 500 vetted social causes. So we we link that learning to, to doing good. And so, you know, I went through my own transition through tennis when I came out of professional sport and, and you know, really kind of where I worked with an executive coach and I kept coming back to the fact that I love people and performance and being at your best and all those types of things. So it's kind of syncing that all together. Do you have any like data in terms of when you gamify things, does that have like legs to it? Like I know you get certain people that are hardcore. They want to be, you know, when you gamify it, they're going to be totally part of it. But when you look at your base as a whole, do people stick with that in terms of the whole gamify part? Yeah, it's funny. Like, so I remember feedback I got from someone before was like, look, if you introduce something in a company, there is cohort of people that will go to everything and do everything. It doesn't really matter. There is the people that will do absolutely nothing that will, you know, if Richard Branson was in the office and they're working from home, they'd be like, oh, well, I don't really care. Like, you know, and then there's the people that are on the fence, right? The people that are in the middle that you're trying, they're those, the cohort of people that you're trying to bring in. So in terms of the gamified piece, I mean, we have, we survey our users after classes in terms of in terms of being more motivated, feeling more productive, and feeling more valued by their employer. So we have data around that piece. The second piece around the gamified piece, we don't have any give learn data in terms of that being a, a focal point. But I have read data which I don't have off the top of my head in terms of gamification making a difference for people to kind of engage with something and try and keep them longer. And so yeah. Yeah, that that logic makes sense. You you've got the two extremes. You got the people that aren't going to do anything. You got the people that are committed to you. Then you have those people in the middle that you're trying to hopefully push <laughs> into the people that stay consistent. They're they're probably the largest group too. I would think. Yeah, no, completely. Yeah, completely. Those are the people that you that you're trying to hook in. So I want to circle back to tennis. As a tennis professional tennis player, were you the type where you just walked out to the court and you could play great, or were you the type that you believed practice, practice, practice is going to make perfect? I was more a, a practice, practice, practice kind of person. You know, I put in the hours in terms of like my coach I had used to say. I think it was like the five or six P's. It was like perfect, perfect practice prevents piss poor performance. That was what he used to say. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. So. um I think there's different people for like different. I think if you look at it like optimal level of performance, I think there's certain people that, you know, if you, if you over practice, you can kind of struggle a little bit then with performance. If you under practice, I think people have different 
there's a different sweet spot for someone. I think it's around finding that sweet spot. I mean, like when I played um, when I played in the Davis Cup for Ireland, there was a guy on the team with me who's a very intense person and I'd be a very relaxed person. So before our match, when we went out to play for, play for Ireland, our coach, we would, you know, I would kind of need to listen to music and get, you know, get pumped up and try and get my feet moving, get a sweat going. Whereas he actually was on the other side. He needed to be kind of reined in and calmed down a little bit because he was like a, you know, uh, he was the other way. So I think it's finding that optimal level where where you sit on that. But for me, in terms of my philosophy, it was always to practice, yeah, to to put in the work, and because that will give you the confidence then in terms of your in terms of your performance. Right. And the reason I went to the whole practice thing is, you know, in business, practice is like that preparation. It's that getting what you need to do to get to your goals. And so it also correlates to kind of like building habits. And I wanted to get your thoughts on, because practice isn't easy. A lot of people hate to do it and and having to put in the time to do it is, is commendable for you. So how do we build these like habits to get to our goals? I mean, this is really relevant for a lot of business owners that want to get to a certain level. Mm. I think the community that you're involved in is is really important. I mean, I think like if you if you relate to give learn the community of the classes in terms of inspiration, but even people's local business community or having a business coach, I think for small businesses in terms of like having that kind of accountability person. I also think when you say habits, I also think of the word standards and how do you, you know, we all have a standard, right? So how do you raise that standard? So when I was playing you know, I, I was training in Ireland at a time. I was a big fish in a small pond. I was training hard for what I thought was hard. Um, and then I went to I went to India to train with some of the best doubles players in the world. And it was just, it wasn't like they, you know, the drills and the, and the, the and if you relate to business, it wasn't like the systems were, were better, the drills they did, or no, it wasn't necessarily even that the coaching was better, but it was just the standard of what's expected, you know? So I would say to people like, you know, in terms of habits, it's like, well, how do you how do you improve those standards of performance? And I think in terms of habits, you know, there's data around how it takes, you know, 64 days or whatever it is. I'm, I'm misquoting, but a certain number of days to kind of form a new habit. Like we brush our teeth every night, right, or every mo- and every morning, right. So, but I think it's not going from zero to 100. It's not saying, okay, on Monday morning I'm gonna do 150 50 million things. And then by Wednesday, I'll just stop doing it. It's like incorporating little habits that you can incorporate. And when I think back to, to tennis, one of the things I did when training-wise, fitness-wise, was um, every time every time I had a shower, I made a commitment that I had to do, I think it was like five minutes of core exercises and, and shoulder rehab because I had problems with my shoulder. So it was like it, it, it became a habit that once I, before I jumped to the shower, five minutes, shoulder rehab, core and and then over time it becomes becomes ingrained, right? So I think it's it's small steps, it's little, it's achievable things, it's little steps, and and you can build those habits and, and raise those standards. If you're a business owner feeling stuck in your business, overwhelmed, responsible for everything that happens, and working long hours, Tyler helps his clients develop processes, hire high-performing team members, and better understand their financial metrics and numbers to allow for a more predictable, less hands-on business. To schedule a free, no-pressure consultation, head to thinktyler.com and click the meeting button. Tyler would love to see if he can help you work on your business, not in your business. Schedule a consultation today at thinktyler.com. 
Think life, think success, think business. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. With supply chains becoming more complex, you need to stay on top of the latest logistics developments. So if you work with logistics, you need the Beyond the Box podcast from Maersk. It's the easy way to keep up to date with everything from digital disruption in logistics to the need for supply chain resilience in today's market. Find out more and keep ahead of the game with the Beyond the Box podcast on logistics insights at maersk.com slash insights. So I think it's, it's small steps, it's, little, it's achievable things, it's little steps, and, and you can build those habits and, and raise those standards. Funny, that's straight out of the habit stacking book. What they talk about is trying to tie something you normally do into something that the habit that you want to create. So that's what you did. So like when you go to your coffee, maybe that's when you take your medication or whatever, but you try to tie it into something you normally do, a habit, and you create that that repetition so that it becomes norm. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that uh, makes sense. Actually, just you just reminded me, we had a, a guy who was speaking on nutrition who was talking about, um, he said every time he he boiled the kettle, so he lost a lot of weight, but every time he boiled the kettle a couple of times a day to have tea, now I know it's quite common in England and Ireland where people drink lots of tea. So he said he would do... Um, I think it was like squat, standing squats, basically, as the tea is, as the tea is born. So it sounds really simple, right? But if you, if you accumulate that over time, it makes a big difference. But I think the biggest thing, again, the biggest thing that people can fall into is that they go from zero to 100. It's the stereotypical 1st of January, I'm going to do this, this, and this. And then by the, you know, the, I think the stats show it's like by the 12th of January, you're back doing what you used to do, you know? It makes me laugh when you mentioned the tea. Reminded me, I was watching Ted Lasso. I recently started watching that. And every when he first got there, he brings up the tea and he goes, you guys don't really like this tea, do you? It's just it's just to make it look like you like something, right? This stuff is awful. And every time he drinks it, he comments about how awful it is. It made me laugh. I need to watch that, actually. I haven't, uh, I haven't actually watched it yet, but I've seen different clips and stuff and people rave about it, so... Yeah, that first season's super funny. I kind of lost interest on the second one. So it started getting a little repetitive, but it, it was worth a watch. It's yeah. funny. Hey, so last thing I just kind of want to talk with you about. It sounds like you, well, actually two more things. It sounds like you have a pretty, you've built a pretty cool community. And I know part of it is the gamification. I'd love to know if you have any other tips, because I know as business owners, we're always thinking, how do we build community? How do we build you know, our, our tribe, so to speak. Mm-hmm. What well, any tips around how to do that effectively outside of the gamifying? Yeah, I think in terms of the, it's a really interesting question. I think the community thing is is not easy. I think again, people think it happens overnight as well, but I think it's around consistently consistently showing up. So like for in terms of our companies and our users and so on, we would engage with them a lot. So we would, uh, they receive a a weekly communication at the same time every week on our sessions. We have engaging sessions where people kind of, you know, can input and so on. I think in terms of, in terms of building community, I think actually uh, I met a couple of years ago, I met the founder of Strava or one of the co-founders of Strava. And he said like, after the first year on Strava, they had 
I don't know, a hundred people or something, right? So like, like nobody basically, but it was like that, you know, if you believe in what you're, if you believe in the vision of what you're trying to create, actually building that, building that community out. Uh, so I don't know if I'm answering that question effectively, but it's, I'd say one, it's not easy to build a community, but if you're passionate about, if you're passionate about the topic and the tribe, just stay with it and you will find people that are also passionate about that topic and then you will kind of build that community on top of that very cool and uh i want to talk just close here a couple things so you have a book advantage lessons uh from sports and business to achieve your your goals let's talk about a little bit can you give us a couple tips from that book just in terms of lessons that you could share yeah so one of the things i i talked about was um one of my favorite quotes is surround yourself with the people you want to become so actually, you know, as, as tennis is an individual sport, you know, small businesses and medium-sized businesses and so it can be quite lonely, right, at the, you know, if you're at the top. So actually, again, back to that community piece, but find your tribe in terms of that community, find people that you can go, find mentors um, that you can go and, and speak to. Secondly, a powerful tip that I was given was really successful uh, businesswoman said to me, James who's on your internal boardroom? And I said, what is it, you know, what does that mean basically? And she was like, look, you know, companies have their boards, they have their execs, non-execs, chair people, and so on. James Klusky Inc., who's on your board? Who are the people that you can go to and ask for advice? And then I think, you know, I think in terms of that, it's really important that you're, you have a diverse board, people of different backgrounds, but I think really important is that people that will disagree with you and say, you know, I don't think this is a good idea, like as opposed to pe- having people um, that will just agree with whatever you say, right? So so I think creating that internal board. And then thirdly, I would say for me, in terms of goal setting and so on, one person I met through Richard, an incredible entrepreneur, a guy called Kurt Long, who's who's delivered a session on a couple of sessions on Give Learn. He's a rocket scientist and entrepreneur who scaled a number of businesses. Um, I remember speaking to him a couple of years ago about goal setting. And he said, like, look, the most important thing is what is the vision? So what is that overriding vision? What are you looking to achieve? And then working backwards from that as much as you possibly can. So I think that's very similar in terms of when I play tennis, you know, what's the vision? What's the ranking? What are you trying to do? And then what can you do on a daily basis to 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 help you achieve those goals? Yeah, that's great. That's good stuff. And then give learn who's your ideal customer there like your client who are you looking for tell us a little bit about it yeah so we have our ideal customer we have small and medium-sized companies uh, anywhere from about you know five to ten people up to we have a couple of companies with about thousand people so um it's a little bit of a range but i would say small and medium-sized companies essentially what we do is we have a full calendar of classes which runs from january to december uh, we have their live classes every week. So users come to the class on Zoom. Uh, they can engage with the presenter. We have different different themes each month. And so this month it's digital communication. We've had, um, you know, whether it be communication skills, imposter syndrome, presentation skills, uh, mindset, and so on. And we have presenters from all around the world. We've had astronauts, entrepreneurs, Olympians, Paralympians, and so on. So we have that full calendar. So for companies, for small and medium-sized companies that are looking to, 
you know, that maybe are a little bit stretched in terms of their learning. It's a subs monthly subscription model, depending on numbers they can give, give, learn to their employees um, in terms of soft skill development. So the stat from uh, Harvard was that 85% of job success comes from having well-developed soft and people skills, 15% from technical hard skills. So we stay very much in that soft skills space in terms of helping people develop those skills. Very cool. Now I kind of have a weird question for you, but as a tennis guy, where do you stand on pickleball? Oh, well, are you playing pickleball? I'm kind of hardcore into it now, right now. Oh, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, that's a good. That's a good question that you asked me before you answered the question. Okay. That's really. That's really. <laughs> I better end this call now. I'm joking. <laughs> so it's funny. So, so so during COVID, um, I played a lot of paddle tennis. So uh -huh. I don't. Have you played paddle tennis yet? A little bit. Yeah, I'm aware of it. Yeah. yeah so. So paddle tennis, paddle is the fastest growing sport in Europe and it's like rocketing. Pickleball is obviously rocketing in America. I have no problem with pickleball. I mean, I think something that's getting people active and so, you know, it's, it's fine with me. I think the danger for tennis is if tennis loses courts because of pickleball, which is, I think, happening a little bit. But like, look, if, you know, there's different different things for, for different people. I mean, I guess my my question would be back would be, is it a sport? you know is it a sport or is it a game or or um i have so i haven't played it so i don't want to kind of you know yeah give out about it but um you're not going to make it as a politician man no no it is a good point i mean to your point you do not in fact you know i was playing uh, a few days ago and when i was talking to my teammate i had played this guy before and i said hey i just want to let you know this guy isn't very athletic but his hands are super fast and uh, he can get everything to your point like when you said that it made me think like you don't really have to be an athlete i mean which is the interesting thing about you can't say that about tennis because the court's so big and there's so much movement and stuff uh but yeah you don't have to be an athlete and i hope i don't offend anyone it helps to be an athlete in pickleball definitely the mobility but you don't have to be and i think that's what kind of makes it so universal yeah but i, I mean i think on the flip side i think anything that gets people away from you know a laptop screen or a computer screen for a couple of hours even you know mindfulness and headspace and you know being active and all that thing i, I have no problem i think it's i think it's great I think it's in some ways it's probably good for tennis that it brings people, you know, more people into the kind of racket sport ecosystem. I think, you know, I know paddle a little bit better. And I think the biggest thing for me is that, you know, paddle and I'm presuming the same as with pickleball is like, you can pretty much have zero experience and you can get to a base level skill and have a exactly. good game. Whereas yeah. the challenge with tennis is like, you know, it's hard to serve. It's hard to do some certain things if you haven't kind of played as a kid or, or played so i think that's the so that's the flip side but uh yeah but more power to you uh, i haven't lost any respect for you anyway tyler it it does make me wonder though the future of tennis at least in america because you are seeing uh courts get reduced i mean there's no doubt about that and you know when you can get i think it's is it three courts or i'm sorry it's a six pickleball courts for two tennis courts which you can get 24 people versus probably in most cases four people because oftentimes they play singles it's kind of a hard argument for cities and non-private places to make and it it does make me wonder like i mean over time what's that going to do to tennis because there's going to be less courts it's going to be less accessible and that's that's not a good thing 
Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. Yeah, no, it's it, it's interesting to see how it plays out. Do you know if it, if the have the USTA taken it under their wing or are they like? I don't believe so. No, I don't believe so. I I think they, I I don't know. I should be careful. I don't know for sure. No, I think it's kind of its own thing and its own organization. But I guess that would be interesting because if something like that did happen, then there would be more kind of a strategic thought process about it, I would imagine. Yeah, because the LTA, so the Lawn Tennis Association in the UK, they have paddle under their wing. So they're seeing it as like, so it's kind of, you know, like have it a part of it, basically. So, so it's there's a bit of structure and stuff. So it'd be interesting to see what happens. I, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, so hey, uh, thanks so much for being on the show. Your, I'll put this on the thinktyler.com show notes. Your website is givelearn.net. That's givelearn.net. Really encourage people to go check it out. Uh, it sounds like the education. I know there's at least one rocket science this this given presentation. So that's got to be pretty cool. Thanks, James, for your time. Thanks for sharing things. And I hope in the future we can meet again. No problem. Thanks for having me, Tyler. And uh, hopefully you'll start playing a real sport sometime. (laughs) I love it, man. I love that you end on that note. Have a great one, okay? All right. See you. Thank you. Take care. (laughs) That's all for this episode of Think Business with Tyler. But we have plenty more resources to help you in your pursuit of business excellence on our website at thinktyler.com. If you'd like to be featured in a future episode of the show, feel free to reach out to us on social media at think underscore Tyler. We look forward to helping you think life, think success, and think business. Hey guys, it's Miriam Love here, and I want to share something very special with you. Check out my new release, All In, the Spanish remixes, out now on Electric Cast Records. And always remember, be love, share love, all love. Available now wherever you listen to music. Welcome to Tuning In to Sound Wellbeing, where we harmonise your mind, body and soul. I'm Amanda, your sound therapy expert. And I'm Stephen, the curious explorer uncovering the mysteries of sound. Together we explore vibrations, frequencies and the power of sound therapy and tuning forks. Discover ancient wisdom, reduce stress and tune into a healthier life. Subscribe to Tuning In to Sound Wellbeing today.